Setting the Edge podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm here with my co-host, Charles McDonald. You can find him at Twitter at, Ta- uh, at Tyrod Taylor Swift. Say what's up to the people, Charles. I fumbled that one. Yeah, you did. That was bad. That was you're going to call me Keanu Neal Armstrong, but what's up, people? Keanu Neal Armstrong. Um, what was it? Zach Martin Luther King. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, there was a couple that I had. So, so, uh, all right. What's up to the people? Um, nothing's happened in football. No. So we're going to uh, talk about a mock draft because there is... I mean, literally nothing has happened in the past week since uh, we sobbed about the Super Bowl, or at least I did. Yeah, I think someone already had, I'm sure I've seen it somewhere where someone calls something like mocking the mock draft or something like that on Twitter. Someone in draft Twitter does that. Um, But we're basically going to steal that idea. We're just going to make fun of a mock draft. So we'll probably go through like the top 10 picks of uh, Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft. Daniel Jeremiah, I mean, he's a pretty accurate dude, right? I mean, as far as like trusted draft guys, like in terms of how... Uh, I guess the draft will, in fact, land as opposed to, like, opinions. Like, Dan Jeremiah's super high up on the list for you, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So he just posted one on NFL.com on the – it says it's updated the 9th, so it happened, like, three days ago. Um, number one pick, Miles Garrett, not surprising. I mean, Miles Garrett this week – I guess something did happen in football this week. Miles Garrett said he wanted, he wanted to uh, go to the Dallas Cowboys and that he wanted the Cowboys to trade – or he told Jerry Jones that they should trade – uh, Tony Romo, uh, so they can move up to the number one pick, which isn't going to happen because I don't know how uh, Tony Romo like that contract doesn't really shake out that way, man. No, I I I don't. I think Miles just doesn't want to go play in Cleveland. What you mean? Can you blame him? The uh, the funniest thing was uh, Tackers McKinley. Tackers McKinley came back and replied, said something like, "Well, fuck, then draft me number one." Right? Yeah. <laughs> He's like Mick, Mick to Carson McKinley, uh, the number one pick, and then he added the Browns Twitter account. Yeah. But where I, where I think this uh, really gets interesting is Marshawn Lattimore at number two to the Forty ers and I mean, I haven't seen him play, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I know Justice and Ian Ward. I watched him literally yeah. yesterday. Yeah. I know there's been some buzz recently on Twitter about him. So talk about him a little bit. Yeah, so he's – when everyone says that he's incredibly athletic, I, those people aren't lying. Like he's on some he's on some Revis stuff where like – Revis doesn't really get respected like other cornerbacks have because people talk about Prime Revis, like Prime Sherman right now. Prime Sherman isn't in the same realm as Prime Revis. Like Prime Revis could legitimately shut down a side of a field. Um, Sherman has, is like, you can definitively say he's like, oh, he's a long guy. You know what I mean? So he ends up being guys who get cast in because of how their body looks or how, or the positions that they're able to play get overrated a little bit. It's the same thing with Michael Bennett, right? Where it's like, everyone talks about Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett had like five sacks this year and still made a pro bowl. And it's because people say Michael Bennett type and because he has a personality, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, like Revis, yeah. Revis. Other than chasing money, right? Like, Revis is a pretty low-key dude. Um, like, Revis, legitimately freak athlete. You look up – I think it probably looks crazy on Mock Draftable. I ran – someone told me to run his numbers through, like, the fourth player metric, right? And I ran it through it, and he was a fourth player at a cornerback at his size coming out of Pittsburgh. Like, that's Jeez. insane. Like, I he's, I, 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 his yeah, 20-yard shuttle was crazy, wasn't it? 
it's insane. Like every single drill, he's like the most insane athlete possible. Um, Marshawn Lattimore would not surprise like Marshawn Lattimore when I watched him and I only watched two games. Okay. And, uh, our, our friend, uh, Ben Natan told me to watch the Penn state game too. Cause apparently that's really good. But if you only watch the Oklahoma game, like that might be one of the more dominant performances I've seen of any prospect in this draft. If you told me that for you as an individual, you say that Marcus Lattimore is better at cornerback than any other prospect is at their respective position in this draft. I would believe you. Like, he's crazy. I, I don't know if – so, like, San Francisco doesn't even have a defensive coordinator, right? So no. it'd be beyond reckless to be like, I do or do not think that this is true. Um, but uh, the Jets are sitting at six, and the Jets basically play a man scheme. And that defense went to crap because Revis's legs just – I mean, Revis is going to be, like, 32, I want to say. Yeah, he, um, he can't run anymore. Like, Marshawn Lattimore. Like, if he's there for the Jets, that's, like, the easiest layup I've ever seen in my life. That's almost like San Francisco and DeForest Buckner last year. Where people were like, DeForest Buckner's so good, I don't know what type of scheme he's going to fit in like super high in the draft. And everyone's like, well, if he lands to San Francisco, like that's that's Cinderella's glass slipper. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like Marshawn Lattimore is the Jets' glass slipper. All right. So, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm going to have to check him out tonight then. Number three, Jonathan Allen, defensive tackle, wrong, to, uh, to the Bears. Well, they play they play uh, thirty four too. Yeah. So like he's he'd have to be an end. Yeah. Or like a hybrid, whatever. Um, I think in a thirty four, he's kind of interesting because if you play him as like a left end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he could play more of like a def- like a defensive end than like a five tech. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I mean, Jonathan Allen three is probably a little high, and like when I say a little high, like that's the difference between being like the third and like sixth best prospect, which means a lot more at the top of the draft than it does later on. Right. Like, I mean, that that's a respect, like Jonathan Allen goes three. I don't think anyone's like, no one's setting Chicago on fire for that. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I, 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 we're both on the record for thinking that's probably too high for him, but you know, he's got the pedigree. He, he's got three years of great production at Alabama. He's probably going to test pretty well at the combine. So, I, I mean, I, I think he's probably going to end up being like a top six or seven pick. And if someone does think – we both think – we're both of the opinion that he's a base end who gets kicked in, right? Yeah. But if you do think that he's a defensive tackle and you look at everyone else – all the other defensive tackles in this draft class, there aren't very many talents. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think you are probably solid on, like – if you include him – and, like, Malik McDowell, right? We're probably sold on, like, five guys who go top 100 between Caleb Brantley, Jaleel Johnson, and then Dalvin Tomlinson. So yeah. it's, like, this, like that's how many guys went in the first round last year. So, I mean, there's a huge disparity between, between uh, like, what the average defensive tackle class looks like and what this defensive ta- tackle class looks like. Yeah. Uh, and then from, from there, number four, Jamal Adams, safety to the Jaguars. Man, that – That's high. That's high for a, a guy. Well, also, like, Jacksonville, like, if they're going to kind of – they're keeping their defensive coordinator, right? So if they're going to play the cover three scheme, like, don't they already have, like, a strong safety down they, there? Like, They have uh, Cyprian, but he's a free agent. And he's oh, is he? So. I was going to say. Well, I mean, some people keep up for Cyprian, but I can't tell. I follow too many people on Jaguars Twitter, so – <laughs> I, can't tell what people, I can't tell when people are or aren't lying about talent. Um, Jamal Adams, I mean, yeah, he can play strong. But strong safety is not going fourth overall. Like, where did Eric Berry go? Eric Berry is, like, the highest drafted strong safety I can remember. Yeah, he I think he fit. probably went like five. Yeah. I don't know about that, especially in this draft class. This is what I'm telling you. Um, I really do think – so if you're Jacksonville, right? Okay. Is 
I'm taking You're picking fourth. You're, no, you can't <laughs> take a fourth. Why not, though? Oh, you can't. You can. Okay? Like, you can sell me on that, right? But this organization isn't going to take a quarterback. Um, not when Blake Bortles, they're like, oh, he had an injury. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey, oh, it's an injury. We'll buy another year of hope. Um, Jacksonville, right? Did they lose games because of their offense or defense last year? Offense. Okay. Uh, they just invested in the offensive line. There's no offensive tackle willing that, that can be taken this high, right? Right. Okay. At receiver, they've invested with, like, three guys now. They're not going to take a receiver at fourth overall, right? Right. Okay. At quarterback, they have Blake Bortles. At least you'd be willing to say, like, for a fact, they're not going to draft a guy at four. If you think they should or shouldn't, they're not going to draft a quarterback at fourth overall, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, right. see, I think they should, but they're right. not going to. Right. That's what I'm saying. So what position? So you have to improve on offense to keep up with your defense. And the only position that you can really improve at is running back in this spot. Oh so, like, God. why why doesn't that team take Leonard Fournette? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's – Or Dalvin Especially Cook, when like – Something. I mean, I like Dalvin more than I like Leonard Fournette, but, but I think Leonard Fournette's probably going to go higher. They, they did just pay Chris Ivory last year. They gave him five years, $32 million. He's a running back, and he's not a, he's not a great one. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know. How, how much did Dal- – Dallas was paying uh, Darren McFadden and uh, – what's his name? The dude that they got from uh, the Washington Redskins. Oh, Alfred Morris. Yeah, Alfred Morris. Like they were paying him, and they still they still drafted Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that's that big of a deal. Um, but I do think I mean, this was a Jacksonville team that people were talking about. They wanted Todd Gurley, right? Yep. And like, if you're gonna do a weird, I'm gonna trick myself thing, right? And you're like big, explosive SEC running back. And you're like, hey, we can make up for Todd Gurley by taking Leonard Fournette. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe he's better because Gurley was pretty bad this past year. So, yeah, but he he plays for the Rams. You can't you can't yeah, decide. That's fair. Speaking uh, of the Rams, the Titans are picking fifth overall because because they have the Rams pick. It's unbelievable. Yeah, good job, good job, Rams. You so, guys drafted Jared Goff, and by the time that you guys get rid of Jared Goff, you'll have four winning seasons in the last twenty five years. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, DJ has the Titans picking Reuben Foster, linebacker from Alabama, mm-hmm. at fifth. I, yep. I mean. How do you feel about that? I wouldn't really have a problem with that if I was a Titans fan. Dude, that's like a plug and play thing. Yeah, like that. That's kind. Of, that's kind of a thing where you're like, I have an extra pick and it just landed in fifth overall. You know what I mean? Right. Like you're not really drafting for need at fifth overall. You're not a bottom five team that like has to address a hole. Um, I guess I could see it. Like that's that's the point where like if you want Ruben Foster, like trade down, like just get out of that pick. Like you don't have to use that pick. Go get value. And this is. I mean, you got to remember, this is John Robinson, right? Who's mm-hmm. come? Who's coming from? You know, I think like 15 years of being developed by New England. Like, I th- I think he's gonna end up trading back. I mean, he traded back last year out of the number one pick, right? That's how he ended up with this. Um, they traded back a couple more times. I mean, they ended up with a bunch of top 100 picks last year. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't be really surprised if like he ends up turning this into like some pick in the 20s and like a future one. Yeah, I mean, they're they're in such a good situation because like they have their quarterback. They have a great offensive line. So, I mean, if you yeah. can trade down from five and stay in the first round and still get a, like get a first round pick for next year too, you, you're you're in you're in real. Because what's the what's the glaring need that the Titans need, right? It's receiver. And if yeah. you're if you're buying into like 
Mike Williams, Corey Davis, John Ross is the top three receivers in this class, right? You could trade down into the 20s and get one of them, and you don't need to draft a receiver at fifth overall. Not one of those receivers, at least. You know what I mean? I don't think anyone thinks that these guys are like A.J. Green or Julio Jones, even Mike Williams. Mike Williams seems like the consensus number one, and I don't think you'll find a single person who's like, he's a top five player in this class. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, I think trading down uh, makes a lot of sense for the Titans, but – I mean, you're not going to project the trade. I mean, in a mock draft, that's just a huge waste of time. So I, I like, I, I do like the Ruben Foster fit for Alabama. I think he's one of the like, the top five or ten players in this class, and I'm really excited for his combine because I think he's going to absolutely destroy that thing. Yeah, he's going to do something crazy. I, I do think like I don't know about him. I don't know if you want to play him in like a three four really. Not not so much that you like he's a liability in a three four, but it's like. Some 4-3 team is going to be like, look, this dude has to cover up more space, and that's, like, what he can do. You know what I mean? He's more valuable to a 4-3, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so like, to round out the top 10, you have the Jets going with Leonard Fournette, the Chargers mm-hmm. going with Malik Hooker, the Panthers Perfect. Going, Perfect fit. The, uh, the Panthers going with Solomon Thomas, the Bengals going with Mike Williams, and then the first quarterback off the board is Deshaun Watson to the Buffalo Bills at 10. Right. Now, I, I know there aren't any trades projected, but I find it hard to believe that a, a, a quarterback doesn't go. A quarterback doesn't go until pick number ten. You know, dude, I believe that the Bills are going to move up. So you got to think about this, right? If you're going to move a quarterback, right, you have to have a plan for another one. It's why like San Francisco didn't do anything last year, right? And they like sat on they sat on the Kaepernick deal because they were like we couldn't move him for a price and then bring in another guy. So I guess we'll just kick the can and see what happens. Um, if Buffalo really does want to let Tyrod go, right, and they're able to let Tyrod go, he passes his physical and all that, right? The only quarterback we're trading for is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo, who's in division in the AFC East. I don't think the Patriots are going to be willing to trade a, co- a starting-level quarterback if they believe he's that uh, to a division rival, right? Right. Two, which quarterback on the free agency market is going to get more than Tyrod Taylor, okay? So it's like... If you're going to go after a free agent quarterback and you're going to address it that way, you should have just kept a tie rod anyway. So if tie rod does get loose, let loose, I think Buffalo, like, when people are like, Buffalo might trade up to number one to grab a quarterback, I totally 1,000% believe that because I don't really see another option where you can lock into a quarterback, like a starting-level quarterback in this position that they're in because they're in the AFC East and because Tyrod Taylor's already better than any quarterback who's going to hit the free agency market. Yeah, I agree. I, I just think it's insane that they – like when you look at the cap hit for for what it would take for that, I think the first year of Tyrod Taylor's contract wouldn't he, wouldn't he be like in the two hundreds for the cap hit, like ranked the two hundreds in the like uh, for the entire NFL. Oh, his uh, so he signed a ninety million dollar contract, right. right? Yeah, and his signing bonus was three point four million dollars. What do you think about that? Like these these numbers are tricky. You yeah, know what I mean they're fake. Like, numbers. These numbers are tricky. They're fake. Basically, numbers. he has. He had, he had a, like a $7 million cap hit last year, okay? And now, essentially, he's got like a 16 to $17 million uh, option that can get picked up by Buffalo whenever they want for the next five years. So it's a year-to-year. It's yearly contracts of between 16 and $17.5 million. Um, if they cut him this coming year, they'll save $15 million. He'll only count uh, four, uh, $3 million against the – they're, they're uh, in like dead cap, right? And then after that, there's no more dead cap at all. But still, he's a 27. He, he's a 27 year old quarterback. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what are we talking about here? Like, those those are dudes who are almost never let go. But then I think I saw something this week where uh, I think you say his name, Doug Whaley, right? Yeah. The general manager yeah. of the, the Bills. Um, someone someone posted a piece, and it was like, he's interested in starting Cardell Jones last year. And, I mean, we saw in week 17, right? Like, Cardell Jones, not not maybe not ready still. You know what I mean? Yeah. As far as. He's a dude who left college early because he said he didn't want to be a twenty-three or twenty-four-year-old, twenty-four-year-old uh, college student. But like, maybe could he use some more development? Yeah, maybe he could. I, I just think it'd be so silly for them to let Tyrod go. You know, I mean, that when people are afraid of that ninety million dollar number, but it's fake. It's not real. It's not real. He's not. Gonna, he's not going to see all that money. And no. I mean, it, you had an offense that was really balling to end the year and. But your defense gave up, you know, thirty-four points to JJ and Matt Moore to close the season. I mean, they play fake defense. Yeah. Well, now they, they play. play, play uh, defense. I now, hate. I hate all of those defenses. Arizona's defense, New York's defense, uh, the Jets' defense, and Buffalo's defense, where you just send inside backers and you're like, yeah, we're just gonna play man coverage, and it's like your pass rushers aren't rushing the passer, right? Your inside linebackers are rushing the passer, and now everyone has to cover, and it's like this is dumb. Just rush four, man. Really, it's that easy. If if you're good enough to rush for, you know, you can win football games. And that's what Jim Schwartz did with the Bills when they had Jerry Hughes and Marcel Darius and Kyle Williams and Mario Williams. You know what I mean? And yeah. then they just came in and just wrecked all of that. Just completely decimated that entire game plan. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't want to sit here and just read through an entire mock draft. So no. Not- you, we're about uh, almost 20 minutes in, so you want to kick it to that Taylor Rooks interview? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we had a uh, Taylor Rooks from Sportsnet New York. Is that what it was? Wait, hold up. We got to right. do something. Let's let's we not forget. You forget about this all week. Yeah, you forgot about this all week. What did we forget? Uh, we got to get Dan and Kelly. Oh, right. We yeah, we've been me- we've been meaning to do this. So you guys showed us. You guys one need to subscribe to us on iTunes and review us and read us so we can see because we can only track views through SoundCloud right now. But we know a lot of you guys are watching are listening via iTunes, okay? So you guys need to, like, give us feedback down there so we can see how much momentum we're building on iTunes, all right? So we can get a feel for this. Two, we got to get Danny Kelly. So we got, uh, we got, we told you guys to run into uh, Josh Norris's mentions a couple weeks ago, and you guys did it. I mean, we got, we got, he said there was like a dozen, two dozen people. Yeah, yeah. That that were as, asking him what his favorite wine was or his favorite what drink. his favorite wine was. Okay, so I think Danny Kelly's the only person who's turned down a, an invitation to be on this podcast, right? Yes, yes. I want to say so. Danny Kelly from the Ringer used to write or used to run, I believe, uh, field goals for SB Nation, the Seahawks site. Um, so go to Twitter right now, every single one of you. Go to Danny Kelly. It's uh, at Danny B Kelly. So find that. Tweet at him and ask him. If Tim Williams falls out of the first round, do you think the Seahawks would pick him up as a left tackle project? Yes. Do that. So send out that tweet. If Tim Williams falls out of the first round, will the Seahawks look at Tim Williams as, as a left tackle project? Go so tweet it at him. I, I just want him to feel us a little bit. Yeah. I just want him to feel us. We love Danny. We you know, love we Danny. just We just want to let him know. You know, this, pod, this podcast is watching and following him. Yeah. All right, kick it to Taylor's. All right, yeah, so we are uh, Taylor Rooks from Sportsnet New York, and uh, we're going to be right back with that. Smile. You called me back. 
joined by our guest taylor rooks you can find her on twitter at taylor rooks uh she's from sportsnet new york uh say what's up to the people taylor what is up to the people how are you <laughs> <laughs> i'm okay you know this is the first day in a week that i've been able to wake up without feeling violently ill about the falcons losing the super bowl the way they did so, oh my gosh are you progress. really gonna start with the falcons first off <laughs> the first thing we say Oh my God, it was the worst night of my life. I, oh my God. Okay, we were talking about this on the podcast last week. When did you realize that the game was over, that the Patriots were going to win? I'm not kidding you. I, like I'm, I'm really not being dramatic when I say this. I was still thinking that Falcons would win after the Patriots won. Like, it didn't, it, I was in shock. I almost thought that what I just saw didn't really happen. I was not accepting defeat until I saw Brady with the trophy. Oh, God. See, I, I knew it was over at, when they got to 28 and at the uh, two-point conversion. I was like, it's done. But it's see, done. that's the thing. Every moment I was like, okay, maybe they won't get the two-point conversion. Tw- you know, either time. Yeah, maybe they yeah. won't put any points on the board here. You know, maybe the Falcons will go down and score a few. Every time I thought something would happen – And it just, nothing went the Falcons' way. And it was a very cruel, cruel way to lose. Okay, since you're a Falcons fan, I know you have hot takes about Kyle Shanahan leaving. How do you feel about that? (laughs) I do. Obviously, he should have ran the ball. We needed to get a field goal. But, of course, he wanted to get cute. So he wanted to keep doing all this dumb passing stuff. And then it was also ridiculous that they kept snapping the ball with, like, 20 seconds left on the play clock. 13 seconds. Let it get to two. Let it get to one. I mean, it was awful time management. Shanahan's not our problem anymore. Uh, But it's just just upsetting. Like, it's a Super Bowl. We don't have time to to get fancy-smancy. So... All right. Well, I'm I'm feeling sick again. So, Justice, you have any questions for Taylor? Yeah, so am I. Yeah. Um. So you used to. This is a little bit of this is a football podcast. Um. We're not really big into. Yeah. It was loosely based around a conversation around football. Um. <laughs> so you used to cover recruiting in college, correct? I did. I did. What was that like? Like, are those people like the people who follow recruiting compared to the rest of the sports world, which generally is problematic? Yeah. What was that? They're are different they... species of human, for sure. Yeah. So, like, what's the what's the craziest thing that you've seen, like, those people, like, they call out kids? Like, do they, like, tweet at you about the kids? Like, what do they do? Because I've seen some of that. I mean, we're, we're only, like, I think, like, a week since National Signing Day. And I was seeing, like, on my timeline just people retweeting, like, the craziest humans on Earth. They seem, like, subhuman at this point. Yeah. I mean, and they they will go into a deep depression or deep, like rage if the kid does like decides not to go to their school they think that i mean everything should be catered around whatever school it is and they have all these opinions as to why their school is better than your school and you're a terrible person if you don't come and i mean they turn on you quickly when your school's on their list they're your best friend but the moment you decide not to go there it's like it's ridiculous the things they'll tweet at these kids and that's the thing like they're high schoolers and i think people forget that Mm -hmm. um 
but it's bad. I mean, I have seen when someone's coming for an official visit, like fans would be outside of the hotel, like waiting to like Good meet God. them and persuade them as to why they should come. Like it's, it's, a, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. I'm kind of happy I'm done with recruiting. Um, but it was definitely a really good starting point. You learn very good reporting skills. You learn, you know, you, just to make those connections and and figure out, you know, the pros of school, the cons of a school, figure out why someone wants to go somewhere. A lot of it works in patterns. Um, so it, it was fun to do, but it's crazy. And I did a lot of basketball recruiting. Um, and I think that's more insane than football recruiting. How is basketball? Well, why, why is that? Yeah. Well, I think honestly, everything in basketball is a little more insane because there's this almost belief that you know them. And I think it's because you see them, you see their face. Whereas when you're looking at a football player, like sometimes you could see a player not know it's them because you don't see them when they play. Right. But basketball just seems to be a little more personal because that, you know, there's no helmet that that's not there. You, it's a smaller team. Um, so if you want a piece on your team, you know, if that piece comes or doesn't, whereas football, there's going to always be another man up, but basketball, it's, it's very specific and very like, if we need a point guard, we want this point guard because he needs to come on this team and be in our starting five football. There's so many people on the team. Mm-hmm. Basketball is just, it's, it gets crazy. Yeah. I was thinking about that. I think Bomani was talking about this last year. He was like, could you, if you saw uh, yeah, your favorite team's middle linebacker, starting middle linebacker at the mall, like, would you recognize him without his helmet on? And I feel like for, for most people, that's probably no. Oh, I agree. I completely agree. You only know the star. You know, you probably know the receivers, you know the quarterback. But you're, there's a lot of people that, that you are not going to know if you see. But I, I think you could probably, you know, name your starting center or your starting forward. Like, you could probably name your favorite basketball team, every single player. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like that for football. All right. Uh, so, so if you if you had to call someone out, you have to call out a fan base now. Um, you you <laughs> worked in the Big Ten, so you you got to call you got to call out one you got to single out one single fan base. Who's the craziest fan base when it comes to Cruton in the Big Ten? Is it is it the Harbaugh Michigan guys or who is it? Hmm. Who is it? Ohio State. I would say. You know, I think that Ohio State probably is the craziest, but I also see it from a different point of view. Like, Ohio State's the craziest because if you don't go there, they're like, uh, why the hell? When did you come to Ohio State? Are you stupid? You know, like, they view it like that. But when I was covering recruiting heavily, I was covering, of course, for Illinois. And Illinois is, like, perpetually the bridesmaid and never the bride. Mm-hmm. So their anger is always about somebody not coming to their school. Like, there's a different type of crazy Ohio State's the craziest good you know but it's the teams like Nebraska or Illinois or you know places like that that are the craziest bad because they're so sick of not landing their recruit if that makes sense yeah it does make sense I mean all all schools get a little crazy all right uh so our next question from our good pal Ben Natan at the Ben Natan on Twitter uh what advice would you have for any aspiring tv journalists Jeez. Yeah, that's a heavy I need some advice. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I just say what all the advice that I've gotten, um, because I am constantly asking for advice from uh, the journalists that I look up to, is that I think that you have to, A, of course, work hard, and B, never limit yourself. 
I think that when you're like trying to become a journalist, you are so stuck on like what your niche is and that's good. But I think one of the keys to being a good reporter or anchor or whatever it may be is trying to learn everything. You may not be an expert in everything, but be comfortable enough to talk about everything. Um, so not get so stuck on basketball or football, even though those are things you love. It's important to, to, you know, know everything about everything else. Um, I would also say you're probably not going to ha- not going to be able to do a lot of things that other people do. I feel like in college I was interning every summer. I was working every year. I mean, I like to go out. I like to party. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> I didn't get to do it as much because I was, you know, I was trying to build my reel together. I wanted my first job out of school. I was not going to go to freaking Des Moines, Iowa. Like there's just no way I could be there. Yeah. So I, I tried to do things that separated me from the millions of other females that wanted to be journalists. And I think that's important is figuring out what makes you different, um, knowing what you're good at, and also knowing what you're bad at. Um, And I just, I don't know, I guess I would say that. But like I said, I'm still seeking advice. So I in no way know the key at all. It was a mix of like luck and hard work and just networking. Um, So I'd probably just say that. That's a that's a really good answer. That's good advice. See, yeah, she's really, just being shy. She, she just she just dropped a bunch of gems. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is from a reporter who has a Wikipedia page. Look, listen, you don't have to be shy, Taylor. No, I'm not kidding you. Like, I probably call Carrie for advice like once a week. So oh, Carrie I, Champion. Yeah. Oh, so I'm still that's... trying to figure everything out. I in no way have it all figured out. I'm still a baby. I'm only 24, y'all. So I. Uh, there's a lot I still need to get figured out. It's it's crazy. Like, we, Justice and I were talking about this the other day. We were saying, like, we're like all three of us were about the same age, but you are like light years ahead of us. <laughs> <In terms Uh-oh>. of- <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel I feel old all the time. I, when I hit 25, I'm gonna have a meltdown because I feel like that's essentially 30. Mm. So <laughs> it's close. It's it's it's, it's, it's close. You're close to needing an ARP card. Four after twenty-five, like I feel like twenty-five is a thing that you're gunning for, and then once it comes, it's like so twenty-five is just a scary number because, like, at that point, it's like you're supposed to be grown and have everything figured out by now. Yes, you can yeah. rent a car. Like you're an adult. There's no more milestones of age left. So yeah, I, I mean, my mom still makes my doctor's appointments, so I'm gonna have to get on that. All right, I have a question for you. So. We, I was listening to uh, some of your old podcasts from last year and the like, the ones you started up again this year. How did you get Snoop Dogg on your podcast, and how can, <laughs> how can how can we try to get Snoop Dogg on our podcast? Snoop, okay. First off, he is the greatest. I mean, like, you know how usually when you like think someone's dope, you listen to their music and you hope that when you meet them that they don't let you down. Yeah. He very much so was what you would think. I mean, he's so nice, so smooth. Um, but I, <laughs> I mean, super smooth. Like, uh, well, of course he's smooth. He's from the West Coast. That's just that's just how we do it. Is that, is that what it is? The West. That's Coast? what it is. I don't know. We're probably the smoothest down south, but that's a conversation for a different I agree. day. Uh, <laughs> but um, I met him because I did like sideline for his charity basketball game, him and Mo Peterson did one uh, to benefit Flint. So I was like, Oh, this is dope. Of course I'll help. I did it with big 10 network. Um, he danced literally in the entire game. I'm not kidding you. 
he was dancing at the free throw line. It was a circus. Um, but so I did that. And then I decided I wanted to start a podcast maybe two months after that. And I just hit him up and was like, I really would like you to be a guest. I mean, no questions asked. He said, yeah, he came on, you know, chopped it up. It was great. And then when I got my new job in New York, he called me and like congratulated me. Wow. So he, he's very nice. I have nothing but good things to say about him. Yeah, it was really cool when he was talking about, you know, like the youth league he has. In, he, I remember he was talking about how he came to practice high one day and like they were at, they were, uh, his coach was like, hey, or one of his kids was like, hey, you smell like my dad does. And that kind of like changed the way, yeah. yeah, how he how he looks on how he can be a positive influence on, on younger kids. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it takes that whole break from smoking just because he doesn't want them to, you know, associate him with just that so yeah i mean he he had a good thing to say he's like a very avid reader he's super into politics and race and culture and you know you know learning more about the world around him um he's very in tune with all that and i think that for whatever reason there's all obviously the stereotype around rappers or whatever it may be that they don't care about gaining knowledge uh but he is he's not like that at all yeah, and then Taylor, go ahead and plug your uh, podcast because we're notoriously horrible at inviting people onto the podcast <laughs> and then not giving them time to plug in what they're supposed to be here to plug. Oh, all good. No, for sure. Like, go to iTunes, download my podcast, subscribe. It's called Time Out with Taylor Rooks. Uh, I think I have four episodes up now. I started it last year. Had to take a break when I got my new job, but I just relaunched. I just had Victor Cruz on. I had Wilson Chandler. Um, I'm very excited about the guests I have lined up. So subscribe and rate it. Do all that good stuff. There's my shame plug. Five star only. Five stars yes. only. Five stars. We Do don't not want anything else. My thing if you're going to give me one. <laughs> 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 okay. How, are you, how, are you, how have you been coping with this Falcons loss the past week? Because I have just been devastated. No, I mean, I haven't been coping with it, honestly. <laughs> I think I will ever will get over it. I actually... So I went to Georgia on Tuesday and I had bought the ticket because I thought there'd be a parade that day, but I go home. So it was like, it'd be fun. I could see the parade and go home. Yeah. Obviously there was no parade. So I just went home, saw my family. That was still fun, of course, but it would have been more fun if there was parade. So I actually ended up going to Georgia when there was a cloud over the entire state because the Falcons lost. So it hasn't been good for me. Yeah, it's just been rough because like I have I'll have a, a morning where I'm like okay you know what this is fine and then like I'll, I'll go to the gym and I'll see highlights of the game and I just get I know uh, oh it's like, you- how long are they gonna talk about it? I didn't even turn the TV on the day of the Patriots parade because I was just like I cannot watch this I haven't turned I on can't. ESPN since the game ended. <laughs> and of course, every Atlanta sports talk radio show is still talking about it. So, like, right when I get in the car, I hear people talking about the pod, like, not the podcast, talking about the Falcons <laughs> Law. So, that's that's where I was. But now that I'm back in New York, it's it's not the buzz. I can get away from it if I want to. Yeah. Uh, wait for next season. Wait, so you, you didn't watch the parade at all? So, you didn't see, like, I can't remember which Patriot it was, but one of them took, like, the weakest pull of vodka that I've ever seen in my life. He, like... <laughs> Waterfalled it for like a half second and then like clinched his face. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen really? in my life. No, I didn't see. I mean, I saw some stuff like on Twitter, pictures of it and stuff. Uh, but no, I did not see the lightweight with the vodka. 
all right. I think Justice has one more question for you. Yeah, we got one more question. So uh, a lot of the dudes who uh, listen to this podcast are dudes, right? Valentine's Day is coming up. Uh, <laughs> do you want to drop some knowledge on some of these guys, help them out a little bit? What should they be thinking about? They got like, I think so this will probably go up tonight. So we got two days. <laughs> I don't know what Valentine's Day knowledge do I have. I'm, you know, and I'm really not like a super, super romantic person. Um, I am, I guess, in the right setting, but <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, no, we need to be like this always. Like if this one's going to be Valentine's Day needs to be 365. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think it's so different. Like what girls want. I feel like what I would want for Valentine's Day is not what other people would want. Um, but just make sure you don't get, don't get caught up on Valentine's Day. Do not get caught up on Valentine's Day. That's very, very important. If there is a girl that you know needs to be your Valentine, don't try to juggle a whole bunch of women on Valentine's Day because we do find out. Justice, she's speaking directly to you. Wow. That that got (laughs) personal. I've been framed. I've been framed. I've been hacked. I was hacked by the Russians, man. And be wary of the people that want to hang out people day after Valentine's Day because they couldn't do it on the day. Probably occupied. Bad luck. It's a bad look right there. <laughs> Damn, this, it, it, to- this- it totally happens. And I see girls fall for that all the time. It's yeah, like, this just got kind of real. My, my heart's hurting a little bit. <laughs> what are you guys doing for Valentine's Day? Uh, hopefully nothing. I, man, I just got conned into seeing the Fifty Shades of Grey movie last night. Uh, I have not seen either. And I do not I, ever plan on it. It was like, I was just sitting there. I was like, this is like two hours of softcore porn. And <laughs> I, I was just really, really upset when I left that movie. Yeah, I know that's 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 not my thing. But you must really like this girl. No, I, no, I, I see that it, was his first date. So was, look, yeah, listen, yeah, it was. It's I, a long think, think of a worse first date than that. Talk about no, no. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I, like after when we were leaving, she was like, "Yeah, we probably should have picked a different movie." I was like, "All right, well, thank you for saying that now, but it's too late. I just wasted two hours of my life." Watching nothing happen for two hours. Well, that's good. She knows, like, okay, this was a bad idea. We probably should have done something else. I really want to see the movie Split. You know the one that's out now? No. I have he no has idea. a split personalities. He, like, kidnaps those girls. Uh, no? No. I have no idea. <laughs> what? That's what you we're, guys... We're that's idiots. We don't, watch, we don't watch any trailers. Yeah, we're done. We're All we do is just watch football. Okay, second date, see Split. Is there going to be a second date is the question. See, I don't know because the Falcons did this to me. I I just went on a Tinder spree after the Falcons lost. Oh, my God. I'm not lying. You can go listen to the podcast from last week. We had a little primer up there. Uh, I don't know. We'll We'll see how we're feeling on Friday. Does Tinder work? Like, are you on Tinder for a relationship or are you on Tinder for, like, relations? I don't think you need the answer to that question. (laughs) (laughs) Charles is about to get himself in trouble. I probably know. I'm about to get myself in trouble on here. They have Tinder and like all these other apps. I'm just like, does this really work? Does this really work? Yeah, it it works. On Tinder, it works. I just feel like Tinder's corny, man. Like Tinder's out here promoting like dudes who like talk to women on the internet but won't talk to to them face to face, and that's. Not, I'm not down with that. I'm not down with that. Yeah, cause, I mean, so if you see a girl that you like just out and about, like you think she's pretty, would you go up to her? Yeah, of course. What would you say? 
Uh, I mean, it depends. Like, it depends where I am. Depends how, if I've had zero drinks, if I've had 20 drinks. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of variables that goes into that, that first little conversation. Okay, but you would. You have no issue, like, going to talk to them face-to-face. No. Okay. Tinder's just, like, an assist. Yeah, yeah, That's exactly. It's training wheels. It's training wheels. I got you. No, I got you. It's like the right. it's like the assist badge you get on two K after your guy gets enough like points in his passing <laughs> passer rating. Great analogy. Great analogy. Thank you. <laughs> well, we kind of derailed here, but uh, thanks okay. for yeah, thanks for coming on with us. Of course, of course. All right, I, 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 I have one last question that we ans- we asked Ian Rappaport last week. Hopefully we can okay. get a better question, a better answer here. Will you follow us on Twitter? Of course. Yes, I will. What are yes. your names? Four, I know one of them is like four birds. Yeah, that's me. And then uh, my partner in crime here is, uh, we don't know if we can say Jew Mosque anymore in Trump's America, but it's spelled J-U-M-O-S-Q. <laughs> okay, yes, I will. Hold on, I'll do it right now. Let me pull up my Twitter app. You're a hero. Okay. This, this is way better than uh, what Rappaport said. Rappaport was like, nah, like, I, it's not that I don't care, but I don't care. Like, he told us y'all, y'all don't deal with that. <laughs> no, of course I will. Okay, Four Birds has been followed. Oh, and it says suggested, and you're right there. Uh, Look, see, the Hermanos right the there. right there. You don't even follow me. Wow, Justin. Oh, we're going to fix that right now. Look, 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 look <laughs> What is going on? Okay, I fixed that. Look, right. Listen. Now we're all friends. Wow, look at this. The tables have turned. Got it. You are now followed. All right. Uh, so th- thanks thanks again uh, for coming on with us. And like you said before, time out with Taylor Rooks. It's really good. I really enjoyed the uh, Wilson Chandler episode last week, especially the black card part was very funny, very, very relatable. He was a great guest. He yeah. was he was very good. He he went there. Everybody doesn't want to go there, but he did. So he was a very good guest. So uh, thanks to Taylor. We're about to kick it to uh, an interview I had with my uh, good buddy Hardy Nickerson Jr. about his you know prep for the combine and Freddie Gibbs. So see you my- guys in a second. <laughs> friend of mine, Hardy Nickerson Jr. from uh, the University of Illinois, formerly from uh, Cal Berkeley. How are you doing tonight, Hardy? Doing good. How about you? Uh, I'm doing good. It was just, uh, it's pretty cool to see, you know, a childhood friend uh, way back from the Ballantine Gators days. Uh, <laughs> and Coach Kenny, uh, you know, training for the combine and trying to make that NFL dream come true. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, throwback to the Ballantine Gators days. Man, feels like feels like it was just yesterday. <laughs> I know, out there running drills with Coach Merrick and Coach Kennedy, and just getting screamed at like we were dogs or something like that. <laughs> but I, I, it, I just I want to thank you for taking some time out of your night because I know you're busy as hell. Just uh, to catch up for a second, then uh, have a little interview on our podcast, Setting the Edge. Uh, so first off, I, I wanted to ask you. What was it like, you know, transferring from California to Illinois uh, 
because you graduated from California, right, with your undergrad? Yep, I graduated. Um, so I, I redshirted when I first got to Cal in, in 2012. So I had, uh, you know, I, I was on pace to graduate, graduated. And then, um, you know, I was going to, I planned on doing my senior, my fifth year at at Cal and just playing it out there. Um, but Lovey Smith and my dad got the, got the job out there. Um, I think it was like mid-March, kind of late in the game. But, um, you know, I was just thinking about it through the whole spring ball while I was at Cal. And uh, I just felt like it would be awesome to, to go over there and play for my pops. Yeah, your your dad he was on he was on board to be on a Chip Kelly staff, right? As the inside linebackers coach for the Forty ers Yeah, so right after um, everybody got let go from Tampa, he he was on with the with the Niners as inside linebackers coach, and he was there for I want to say like six weeks, and it was nice because I was at Cal, and I was like, okay, he's going to be able to come to some games and. Um, cause for the past couple of years, he hasn't been able to with the, with his schedule. Right. And, uh, so I was, I was juiced about it. And then the other opportunity came up and I was like, he asked me like, what do you think I should do? I was like, man, you got to take that. Um, you know, DC job is huge. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's so cool. Like seeing him go from, uh, the linebackers coach at Tampa Bay and then getting that DC job at at Illinois. Was it weird kind of having him pull the strings or, or was it normal? Um, you know, it wasn't weird. It was because, uh, for my last two years in high school, he was my head coach. So, you know, I knew what the, what the relationship was going to be. And it's, you know, it was, it was very, it was very fun just to get out there and play for him. I knew I was going to learn a lot and, uh, really just being around him and coach Smith, you know, fifth year, all I was doing was an online uh, master's program, so I really got to spend a lot of time with both of them and pick their brains. Mm-hmm. So how was it, like, was the terminology a lot different from Cal? Because, you know, you're coming from, obviously, your dad and, uh, you know, Lovey Smith, your coach, came from the NFL. So was it kind of complicated picking up that scheme at first, or did he kind of, you know, make it a little bit easier on you guys? So, you know, go, from Cal, we, while I was at Cal, I had three DCs in four years Damn. and uh, four linebackers coaches in four years. So, it, you know, I, I was constantly learning a new scheme, learning new terminology. So when I got to, when I committed, when I finally said I was going to go to Illinois, um, you know, I just started learning it instantly. And it wasn't, you know, we, pretty, we, ran, every, we ran Tampa 2. Uh, we ran the whole scheme. We ran a lot of different coverages out of it. And, you know, all the terminology was the same as it was in Chicago and Tampa from the 90s and um, kind of all over. So it was, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun to learn it and to, while I'm learning it, watching old tape on guys, you know, watching the, the, the Bears, you know, Super Bowl season, watch Erlocker do same calls that we're doing in training camp. Um, so it was just, you know, it was awesome. Learn finally learning an NFL scheme. Yeah, that must have been crazy. Who was the uh, the best players you played against? Uh, either Cal or uh, Illinois, because I mean the Big Ten and the Pac-12. That's big time competition in both leagues. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard, man. Because uh, you know in the Pac-12, I played against so many good guys. Uh, Mariota, 
McCaffrey. Oh, yeah. Uh, just to name a few. Um, but I'd say Big Ten. Man, who is the best? <clears throat> That's hard, too. I feel like it's, it's, it seemed like it was the Michigan O-line or Wisconsin O-line. Those, those dudes were getting after it. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, there's, there's just so many good players in, in all the conferences. You know, another guy that, I, that we played against this past year that was really good was uh, Trubisky from UNC. Oh, yeah. He's a, a little bit of a favorite. Uh, I know in the draft community and some other you know, coaches and scouts like him, too. So, uh, what, so yeah. what was it like playing against Trubisky and then kind of seeing him rise and be a potential you know, top 20 pick in the draft? It was, uh, you know, it was, this, it was early in the season, second game, and uh, we had just played Murray State and, you know, beat them. And so it was our first night game, and we were all excited for it. And they came in, and, you know, I'm, I'm used to the up-tempo, hurry-up pace. Right. That's pretty much all everyone does in the Pac-12. But, you know, they came out and, and ran. I think we ran. We didn't run that many plays. It was about 70. But it was it was all up tempo, and so uh, you know it was kind of a shock for some of our guys, and uh, you know. But but I mean they had some good players out there. They got two solid running backs, uh, Trubisky, Switzer. So it was it was a good test for us early in the season, and uh, you know they kind of got after us a little bit. Yeah, they have a, a another Charlotte boy, Elijah Hood at running back. He's he's pretty good. Yep. Oh. Yeah, yeah, he was nice. I can't remember if he entered the draft or not, but he, he's definitely a guy that's going to be playing in the league. And I mean that that UNC offense is loaded. You know, Switzer, two running backs, yeah. Trubisky, and, and they got a couple other receivers too. Uh, oh yeah. So I mean, I mean, kind of defending that must have been a, a little bit of a pain in the ass. But um, <laughs> I, I I haven't seen that tape yet. But uh, I mean, I knew that I know they were just lighting dudes up this year. Oh yeah. So, yeah. So. You you have two teammates at Illinois, uh, Dwayne Smoot and Carol Phillips, uh, who were both at the Senior Bowl a few weeks ago when I was there. And they they both had pretty impressive weeks. Do you see them as guys that are mm-hmm. going to be impact players in the NFL? Oh, definitely. And uh, you know it's just crazy looking at our record this year. You know, going three and nine, and and some of the seeing some of the scores just because how much talent we had on our team. Um, you know, those two guys on our D tackles, Chunky Clements is also going to the combine with us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's you rarely see a team with, you know, four guys going to combines. Everybody's pretty much in senior games, um, end up like that. But both of those players, man, they can really rush the passer. And that's what we ask them to do. In our scheme, um, you know, pretty much it's just get off the rock. You know, and and react to the run, but we we want to come after the pass and we want to wreak havoc in the backfield. I think I think Carroll was he led the Big Ten in TFLs, and I know Smoot was top top five or top ten in in TFLs. So they they were both in the backfield a lot. Yeah, those are both two talented players. So when you went down to the Shrine game, uh, talk a little bit about that. How was like the the shift in coaching from Illinois to getting you know real hands-on current NFL coaching like what was that like was it intense was it were you nervous kind of you know having your big your first big try in front of uh NFL coaches it uh 
you know, going into it, I, I was focused. Um, I wasn't nervous because I felt like I could compete with all these guys. And it was just, you know, first day we got there, they, we had a, a defensive meeting and they, our, our DC was, is Larry foot. And so he was running some of his stuff. Our, our head coach was the DC with the Vikings. So he put some of his stuff in there too. And, um, but it was just great to, to learn a scheme like that. And they threw everything at us first day and just to see what was going to stick and go right out of practice and they're calling everything. So it was, uh, you know, it was just, it was cool to compete with all those guys and then, you know, take what we learned in the classroom and film evaluation and just to see how things will be run at the next level. Yeah. So I I know uh, the Arizona linebacker, Paul Maglielor, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Uh, you guys played yeah. together on, on the same team at the Shrine game, and you know, he seems to have a little bit of buzz, and I thought you guys both had a nice game in that Shrine game. So, I mean, did you enjoy kind of playing with him? Because I think you two are kind of uh, stylistically a little bit different from each other. So, like, how did how did you kind of like playing off of him in that we could practice in the game? You know, we actually, we actually played well together. I, I like playing with him. Um, you know, we we're both in the nickel packages and in the base packages. So it was, you know, him, he, he was out there making plays and, and uh, I was out there making plays, but it was just awesome. You know, me and Paul became friends on that trip. And uh, I, I know he's going to do good things at the next level. And I'm just excited to see what he's going to do. All right, cool. Uh, so let's get into uh, a few of these questions. Uh, first, first question uh, from Derek Klassen at QB Class: Is Lovey Smith a sweetheart? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Coach Smith. I got nothing but respect for him. Um, you know, he really cares about his players. And the the coolest thing about Coach Smith is, you know, I've with all the other head coaches I've had in college. Um, He's he's not gonna he's not gonna cuss you out, he's not gonna embarrass you. If he has if he has something to say, he's gonna you know he's gonna tell you like a man, and he's gonna coach you up. Uh, he was probably the first head coach that I've seen, you know, participating in all of our walkthroughs, all of our meetings, in there, um, available so so available to just pop in some tape and you know sit down for thirty minutes on a Tuesday or whenever he you know. A lot of a lot of head coaches are always busy, so it was just nice to finally get that out of my head coach, and um, I got nothing but love and respect for him. Yeah, because when he got uh, let go from Tampa Bay, it seemed like the players were just were devastated that that he was gone. And I, I mean, from what you're saying, it seems like he's he's a a players' coach, and people seem to gravitate to him. Definitely, and he's some you know everything that he says. He doesn't he doesn't speak too much, but everything that he says we trust in it a hundred percent because we know it'll work. And so I think that's what you saw in Tampa and that's why they were consistently good in Chicago. Um but you know, I'm excited to see what he's gonna do with the program. Obviously they I think they just got a, a solid class in, in recruiting and just to see his players get in there and turn it around. Nice. Uh, so another question from uh, Dilla at e underscore Dilla on Twitter. He's a huge Jaguars fan, so he wants to ask: 
how do you try to emulate your dad's game into your game? Like, what aspects do you try to take? <laughs> yeah, I try to, I mean, I try to take everything. Uh, anytime I can, and that's, that's pretty much, you know, another reason why I went to Illinois was to just learn and uh, be around him because he has so much knowledge in his 16 years of playing in that NFL. And, uh, you know, anytime he was back home before that, when he was with the Bucks, I'm, I'm trying to get some extra work in with him and just learn some, all the technique and, and all that. But, you know, just take his, if I could take one thing, I'd take his passion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and the last question from, uh, my buddy, Justice Muscada, who actually helps do this podcast, but he's not here tonight. Uh, what's it like having former professional coaches mold you? So, I mean, we kind of touched on that, on that earlier, but like how, how detailed oriented was it uh, compared to, you know, to Cal? Cause ha- like having straight NFL coaching right there at Illinois. It was so much different than Cal. Um, from everything to from our meetings to walkthroughs to practices every, everything was so much more professional and uh you know at first it was like it was a little a shocker to me to just see that this could be capable at a college level um you know our, my my linebackers coach just he just left Illinois to to get on with the Green Bay Packers but he had played in the league too. And so pretty much everybody on the staff had either coached at, at some point in the league or played in the league. So it, it, it just put, I feel like just picking their brains and just being around them and, you know, the drill work, we knew that it was going to help us and um, things like that, just the, the little things. And I felt like, um, you know, it just uh, having a program like that, that's professional is, is, you know, it, it's just going to set you up to win games. Nice. All right, and I got one last question for you. Are you excited for this Freddie Gibbs and Madlib tape that's supposed to drop this year? Man, heck yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I don't know if you know, but I'm a huge Freddie Gibbs fan. Oh, I love Freddie. Um, I've been to two of his concerts. How is he live? Is he good? So, oh, tremendous. I remember I went to... I went to my first Freddie Gibbs concert was in Oakland and it was, I don't know if you know the rapper, but the Jacka had just died. No, I haven't heard um, of him. He's from, he's from Oakland. And so him and the Jacka were be- like really good friends. So it was just seeing, seeing him up there emotional and rapping. It was like, cra- it was crazy to me. Me and my friends were like, Oh, this dude is really like about it. Like, but, um, and then he came to Cal and did a show. And it was, that was, that one was okay. I felt like me and, and my friends that really respected him were the only people there that, that knew who he was. But I'm so, I'm so excited for this. If they get together, I, man, I feel like it's going to be better than Pinata. Man, Pinata, I, I still spend that like at least like two or three times a week. That, that was so good, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, I also liked, um, you know, his last project. I'm just, I know. I heard him on a song with, with um, Currency. I'm just, I'm, me and my friend were talking about it the other day. We're just wondering, you know, how long is it going to take for him to cool off from the, you know, what happened overseas and yeah, all that stuff yeah. just to finally get, finally put a project out there. Yeah. What, what else do you listen to on game days like to get you hype? <laughs> 
I kind of listen to everything, you know, Jeezy, uh, Ross, kind of everything just to get my mind right. Definitely Freddie Gibbs, um, some Nipsey Hussle. Yeah. Kind of, kind of whatever's whatever I'm feeling at the moment. Yeah, my uh, I've been listening to this. Uh, the you listen to FG F, uh, FG like Montana 300 and Tally 300. I've I've heard some of their stuff. I don't really listen to them consistently, though. Dude, when you get a chance, you got to look up the uh, the FGE Cyphers. They're on Spotify and uh, Apple Music. That's, like, like super-duper, like, hardcore, hyper-rap hype music. It's fire. <laughs> <laughs> all, cy- all Cyphers? It, the wow. F- yeah, FGE Cypher. They got uh, one on each F-G-E album. And they're about to drop a new one uh, tonight. This is Thursday for recording, if I didn't say that uh, before. So, by the time... Uh, you guys hear this? Go check out Montana 300 FG Cipher Part Three. Huh. All right. Okay. Uh, so I mean, that's gonna be it for this. Thanks for joining me. Uh, I mean, besides like the combine, do you have, do you have anything you're working on, or do you want to plug? It's just a, something we ask everybody. Oh no, man! Just you know, happy to be on this. You know, I, it's always good to see my my childhood friends doing yeah. big things and. You know, I'm I'm happy you're doing what you love. Yeah, I'm I'm happy for you too, man. I'm I'm gonna be rooting hard for you throughout the uh, throughout this draft process. So uh, thank you. No problem. That was episode 11 of Setting the Edge. We will be back next Sunday with Miami tight end uh, David Njoku as our guest. I want to say thank you to Hardy and Taylor Rooks for coming on the show today. Thank you. See you guys next week.